whatever you have gone through in life, your heavenly Father has got you in this house and this is a safe house. This is a safe room. This is the place where your Father God can love you. And you might end up with a few physical scars, marks that you bear it from your past, but I want you to know that that poison of your past wounds will not hold you back for the greatness of your tomorrow because your heavenly Father, oh, he's out in front of you. And so I wanted to talk about this because a scar on your skin is a memory of the fact that your wound has healed. When you have a scar on your skin, you know, some people tried to hide those wounds, but I have learned that we can actually make peace with our scars. What if we saw our scar in a new light? Because seeing our scar in a new light reminds us that God has brought us through so much. There are the scars that are the visible scars, and there's also the invisible scars that we can't see. The invisible scars of disappointment or discouragement the invisible scars of broken relationships, the invisible scars that we carry from what people maybe have said to us or done to us, oh, but that doesn't disqualify us from receiving God's love. And when we understand that our invisible scars, they don't mean that God is far from us. No, it means that when we have an invisible scar, God, by his grace, draws so close to us. His grace is so powerful. His grace is sufficient for all of us. And so I wanted to let you know that the people, the men and women that are in the Bible, they are men and women who have carried scars. There are men and women that have been marked through disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment, and your scars don't disqualify you from serving God. No, I wanna let you know by the power of the word of God, God wants to use your scars to help other people. God wants to take the very things that have damaged you to help other people find the comfort they need today. Think about Moses. Moses who was emotionally hurt and in anger murdered someone. God used him to deal with that part of his soul and his emotions to deliver a nation. Think about Job who was so hurt by the loss of his family and his possessions, he even cursed his birthday. He cursed the day he was born. And yet, as he dealt with that wound, he dealt with it and suddenly became healed and he ended up receiving a double portion. Why? Because he came to peace with the scars. You remember Jonah being angry at God. He was so angry at God because he was about to reach rebellious people. But you know, he dealt with that situation and came to be at peace with the scars. We can remember Jacob and his limp. We remember Hannah and her grievance. So many people. But I wanted to remind you that, 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 that the text, that the sermon we're focusing on through this series is this. And it's found in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And it says this, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. We need God to heal us because we have wounds. If we didn't have things that we didn't need healing from, then the healing power of Jesus would be redundant. But, but Jesus is saying that here so that we understand his power. And behind me, I've actually got a table set up so I can demonstrate to you 
one of the most painful experiences and encounters in the Bible, and it's found in John chapter 13, verse 21. And in John chapter 13, verse 21, we see what is captured as the last Supper. Here we have one of the most painful scenes ever. I'm going to show you this picture of Jesus. This is actually a Leonardo da Vinci painting. It's an original. I wish we had it here. And over the years, over the centuries, some of the color has been lost. But, but the story that, that, that is depicted here is just so powerful. And here we have, we have Jesus. And he's, he's sitting down. And he's sitting down to eat. He's sitting down with his, with his family. He's, he's sitting down with his disciples. He's sitting down with the people that he walked with, that he worked with. And as he's sitting down at the table at the Last Supper, I mean, imagine the scene. Imagine, imagine us sitting down with all the 12 disciples. And at the table with Jesus, we have, we have Peter, we have Thomas, we have Judas. We have all the disciples with him. And here at the table... We have Judas who's so close to Jesus, so close and yet so hurt. So close to Jesus, he's about to betray him. And here we have Peter. Peter doesn't understand what the heck is going on. And so Peter leans over to the disciple that Jesus loved, it's called John, and he says to John, John, can you find out what in the world is going on at this table? Jesus is talking about things and I don't understand what he's talking about. He's talking about betrayal. And so John whispered to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can you explain what's going on? And, and Jesus picks up one cup, and he picks up a piece of bread, and he dips it in the cup, and he says, the one who is going to betray me is the one who I'm going to give the cup to. And then he turns, none of us other disciples can hear this. This is just between him and John. And then he takes it, and he hands it to Judas. And Judas drinks the cup, and of course this this cup that Judas drank revealed the poison and the bitterness in his soul. And rather than Judas coming to peace with his wounds and with his hurts and with his insecurities and leaning into Jesus and saying, Jesus, can you help me? I'm confused. That's what Peter did. We give, we give Peter a bad rap. When Peter was confused, he asked for clarity. He leaned to one of the disciples who understood Jesus the best and asked him, hey, can you help me understand what God is doing? And he leaned in. How amazing is it that at the same table, at the same location, one disciple leans into Jesus and another disciple rejects him? Do you know that can just be like church today? You might be here with lots of questions about who God is and about what God is doing and frustrations about your past, things that you don't understand, things that you're trying to work out, things you're praying about that God hasn't answered yet. Here's what I want to say to you today I want to say, stay at the table. Stay at the table, and if you don't understand what's going on, lean into a Christian and say, somebody that you know has got integrity, and say, can you help me understand the mess that my life is in? Can you help me understand the dysfunction of my life? And, and you lean in. Don't be like a Judas. We give Judas such a hard rap, but, but Judas was just dealing with all the insecurities of life that we all deal with. He was dealing with the challenges and some of the things he was struggling with. And, you know, so was Peter and so was this other guy. I'm going to talk about Thomas. I'm really going to zoom in on one of the disciples that we don't really talk much about today. Thomas was labeled a doubter. And I'm going to look at his story because 
Thomas was at the table not really understanding what was going on. And, and here's what I wanted to say, that at this table, all of these things were present. We had the anger of Peter that was gonna be manifested later. We had blame that was gonna happen where other disciples blamed each other. We have regret and guilt and jealousy and pain and envy. We've got it all at the table. And if you're honest, you're gonna have it all in your own life too. I wanna let you know, church, I have made so many mistakes in life. There, I said it. So many mistakes. So many things that I wished I wouldn't have done in my life. But I'm still here by the grace of God. And so are you. Hey, I wanna let you know, church, shock if you don't know this, I'm not the perfect pastor. But that's okay because you're not the perfect church. Right? <laughs> that's all right. You think, well, well, how about this? How about we just work out the grace of God together, church? What do we say? How about we just work out the grace of God and become together? Now, I know this is it's gonna be hard to get your head around, and so I wanted to start with this verse and really talk about this, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who were crushed in spirit. I put to you today that the difference between Judas and the other disciples was that for some reason Judas had a crushed spirit, and he was not able to process pain. You know, there are certain things in life our spirit gets crushed, and we can't process it. Peter had pain, John had pain, Thomas had pain, but for some reason they leaned into Jesus. If you're in pain and you're brokenhearted, God is close to you today. If you're in a place right now where you don't understand what God is doing, he is so close. He loves you, he is here by his power, and he's here with his presence to help you. You might be sitting in the back row and not understand how good God is. I'm here to let you know that when you make your mistakes, you do not disqualify yourself for the grace of God. No, you don't. When you make a mistake and you bring it to Jesus, you find hope and forgiveness in life, and then joy comes later. You might be sitting here remembering all of the things that you've done wrong. Stop remembering the wrong things that you've done and start confessing how much God loves you, that he's got a plan for your life, that he's gonna bring you through that situation because the glory of God wants to be manifested in your life and in your family. And so I've realized that I'm gonna stop judging some of the disciples because I'm gonna start playing this new understanding of it's not okay to play hide and seek with God. Some of you are like, you're hiding and you're trying to hold back and so I'm gonna help you identify this by, by my first point to help you understand this, which is this, that we have to know the difference between our wounds and our scars. Do you know the difference between your wounds your wounds are the things that still need healing. They're an open sore. They're, they're a thing that's covered in your life. It might, be an, it might be a past hurt. It might be a physical hurt. But a scar is what's already healed. When a scar comes, that means the wound is actually healed. And I want to let you know that if you live with a hurt, guess what you're going to pass on? Hurt. And I've learned that if a father lives hurt, he's gonna pass hurt on to his children. If a wife is hurt, she's gonna pass on the hurt to her husband, to her extended family. And if a pastor or a leader is hurt, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna pass on hurt to the people. Oh, we can't do that. We can't pass on. So what do we do with our hurt? We take our hurt and we bring whatever that pain is to Jesus. 
Whatever that situation is, whatever hurt us, we have to take that hurt and move it on to Jesus Christ. And that's why I wanted to bring you to the second point, which is this, which is just simply this. By his wounds, we are healed. Think about that. By his wounds, we are healed. Not that we, not that we, we will be healed. No, we, we, we are healed. What does that mean? When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a healing process starts. It begins to gain strength and it begins to gain momentum. And you may be in a place today where you want to see more healing, where you want to see God do more in your life. You might want to see God do more in your extended family. And so that's why we want to focus on what the Bible teaches. You know, our revelation, our understanding is not what we are saying from a platform. It's not from what the worship team sing up here on a Sunday morning. No, it's not. We are basing our experience of who God is on his power and his word. And that means that his power is accessible to us wherever we are 24-7. So Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. I want you to think about the pain and suffering that Jesus had to go through. He had to go through so much, he endured so much on, a, on, the, on the cross of Calvary, and, and the wounds that he received in his hands and in his feet and in his head with the crown of thorns and his, his side that was pierced with a spear, all the things he experienced, so difficult. And you might be saying right now, well, I've got difficult things too. Maybe you're like me and you've gone through disappointment and hurt and you've seen extended family uh, break up and you're part of a blended family like me and you've seen some rough things happen in life. Well, here's the great news that I know someone who's been scarred far more than you and I. Because somebody whose scars are so extreme, say, well, some of you feel really scarred, but Jesus, he was scarred more than any one of us. We have the king, and I, I'm still trying to wrestle with this. We have the king that showed his love by his scars. Not by the throne that he sits on, but by the scars that are in his hands and his feet. And it's this resurrected body that I've thought about. Why, why did Jesus, why was he resurrected from the dead and yet he still had scars? Think about that. I mean, if God had the power to raise him from the dead, God raised him from the dead and Jesus became alive and yet he still carried the marks of his scars. They were in his hands. They were on his feet. The scars of the cross. I believe that Jesus carried those scars to remind him how far he had come. And to remind him that the scars on his hands meant that he purchased you and I through his pain and through his suffering. And now Jesus, what does he do with the scars? He doesn't cover them up. He doesn't hide them. He doesn't try to, you know, pretend that it didn't really hurt that much. No, what Jesus does with the scars is amazing. What he does with the scars is this, and this brings me to my third point. Scars remind you of whose you are. Not who you are, but whose you are. And this is what Jesus does in John chapter 20, verse 19. And this is, this is incredible. This is after he was resurrected. And the last time the disciples were together was the Last Supper. 
And then Judas went his way and they, they were all fragmented through the crucifixion. But here we see, after the resurrection, we see most of his disciples together in John chapter 20, verse 19. And they were held back by fear, the Bible says. The Bible says it was the first day of the week. And they were literally gathering behind locked doors in fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and he stood with them. And what did he say? He said, peace be with you. And after he said this, what does he do? He showed them his hands and his side. In other words, he's showing them his scars. Now, I, I just, I don't know, I just, I've read the Bible for so many years and I didn't realize that, that twice in John chapter 20, Jesus shows his scars. First to the disciples who were there and he showed them the scars that were, that were just so powerfully, he shows them his scars, but then what he does next is pretty amazing because there was one disciple who was missing in John chapter 20, and it was Thomas. Thomas wasn't, he wasn't there in the locked room. I don't know why Thomas wasn't there. Maybe he was even too frightened to even be identified with the other disciples. I don't know. But I know that Thomas is often called Thomas the doubter, but I think Thomas is courageous. Because what Thomas does next is, I think we should call him truthful Thomas, honest Thomas. Because what Thomas does next is he says, well, and he's listening, the disciples said, hey, we just met with Jesus and, and Jesus came and he's resurrected. And Thomas said, well, unless I see his hands and feet from myself, unless I see them, I'm not gonna believe in, in the fact that he's resurrected. That's honest. See, you might be sitting here today and say, okay, my neighbor next to me, the person sitting behind me, they've experienced the healing power of God. They've experienced the grace of God, but not me. I've not experienced that yet. I've not experienced the goodness of God. Some people are singing about it in the worship, but my life is rubbish. My life is full of so much pain and so much challenge. Well, here's, what, here's a, is a very honest prayer to pray. Jesus, show me your scars. Jesus, I just wanna be in a church of people believing, no, I wanna see Jesus for myself. I reached the point where I sat in the back row in a church one Sunday morning and I said, I don't care if, if there's lots of people here that believe in Jesus, I need to know, is Jesus real? I need to know, can Jesus help me with my scars? I need to know that Jesus, you can identify with my pain and my suffering. And as I said those words, I didn't understand what this was at the time, but somebody could have stood up on the platform and said, there's a young man on the back row, and that young man in the back row needs to know how much his heavenly father loves him. And he began to describe my life and, and begin to talk about it, and then at the end of that said, is there anybody here who can identify with that? And I didn't know that you were supposed to be quiet in church and kind of hide your scars. I just stood up in the middle of the meeting and said, it's me. I didn't know that we were supposed to wait till the right time of church to be able to do that. I didn't know that there was a, an etiquette, a church etiquette to these things. I just thought somebody's talking sense and they've asked a question. And so I stood up and said, yeah, hello. Put my hand up and said, it's me. I didn't wait for the appeal. I didn't wait for anybody to say every eye closed. You know, I didn't wait for that. Why? Because I had such such open wounds in my heart and in my life and I was so desperate to find Jesus. And I believe here today, there were people who are desperate for Jesus. You need to know that Jesus can meet every wound 
in your life. Identity issue, gender issues, divorce issues, bitterness and hurt, all the issues that we carry, that we try to hide, that we were embarrassed about, that we're ashamed of. No, Jesus' scars show us that Jesus was healed and he was, he was resurrected. And so we have hope today and that's why we can give glory to God because he is worth praising. Wouldn't you agree with that, church? Wouldn't you agree that we have a God that we can love and serve? He is so good. And here we have this encounter. Thomas saying, well, huh, unless I see Jesus, I'm not gonna believe. You know, that's a great prayer to pray. Unless I see Jesus for myself, unless I trust in him for, 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 for what he says for me, that's an honest prayer to pray. And here is Thomas saying that, declaring that, and guess what Jesus does next? Here we find the story in John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, a week later, after Thomas said that prayer, I'm like, let's just stop and pause there. Okay, Thomas prays the prayer and Jesus waits a week. Why does he do that? Why does he have scars? Why does he wait so long before he answers our prayers? I don't know why he does that. Maybe God's just preparing our heart. Maybe God just wants us to stop trusting in our own strength. Maybe God just wants to get us to the point where we realize how much we need him. But he waits a week, and read this in John chapter 20. He waits a week, and then we go back to the house again. Guess what? The doors are still locked. The disciples are still in fear of the Jewish leaders. They'd gone to this place, and even though they had gone through a whole week, they've not moved any further. They're still in fear. They're still frightened. The doors are locked, and then boom, suddenly, here comes Jesus right through a locked door, right through a place where it's closed up and, and there's a fortress and no one else can get in, and in comes Jesus. I wanna let you know that some of us build walls around our life and walls around our heart, and we try to lock out Jesus. You can't lock Jesus out. He is God Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And some of us, you were like me, you had defense mechanisms and you had reasons and you had issues and you refused to let God in and yet God had a way of just breaking into your life anyway. Some of the people that we're praying for right now that are far from God, guess what? Jesus is gonna break in because of who he is. He's gonna break into hospitals. He's gonna break into prisons. He's gonna break into families because Jesus is so good. And here he comes through the doors and here we go again. What does he say? Peace be with you. What's he saying? What's he saying peace for? He's saying that because the disciples were rejected. They were, they were deflated. They were discouraged. They'd seen his resurrected body, but they couldn't sustain faith even for a week. Is there anybody who relates to that? Is there anybody who has a great experience with God on a Sunday, but by Monday you feel deflated and discouraged and out of steam? I mean, let's be real. Let's be real about this. Is there anybody who's like singing hallelujah is the lamb on the throne and, and just and loving the worship and just enjoying God and then by Sunday night you feel lonely again. You feel isolated again. You feel hurt again. Why is that? Because wounds are real. Insecurity is real. And you worship on a Sunday but, but if we don't find healing on a Monday, 
We're going to carry that pain through the week, through the month, and even into the rest of our lives. But it stops here. It stops today because we're going to move on to this next point, which is this. Make peace with your scars. Show your scars. Show your scars. When Jesus came and at the end of John 20, he showed his scars to Thomas. He said to Thomas, put your hand in my scar. Feel it. Feel my pain. Feel my suffering. And Thomas comes and he puts his hands and he touches the scars of Jesus and he says, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus goes on to say this incredible thing. He goes on to say that blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's us. That's you and I. We're believing without actually physically touching. We're, we're believing without Jesus actually appearing to us. We're believing by faith. We're trusting him that he's with us. Are you trusting him that he's with you? Are you trusting that he is, he is right here with you? Show me your scars. And, and I've realized I'm okay with my scars now. I'm okay. I'm okay with my mistakes in my past and the things that I've done. And I'm okay with my scars because I've asked Jesus to turn my wounds into scars. I've asked Jesus to help me. Have you asked Jesus to help you? Have you asked him to help you with your hurts and your rejections so that you feel like trusting again? So that you feel like getting excited again. So that you realize God's not finished with you. He's just begun. Is your life filled with hope? Is your life filled with purpose? Or are you remembering all of your past hurts? 